Coffee with Humans is live, candid conversations between strangers who become friends, made possible with your support. Subscribe, share, and comment on your favorite platform. Contribute at Patreon or get Coffee with Humans mugs and more. Links are at coffeewithhumans.com. Thanks for joining me. I'm, I know very little about you. We <laughs> awkwardly stared at each other for the last eight minutes. It's everything about the concept is what we don't do anymore. We don't just have conversations with people where there's not an agenda. Right? It's like meeting a stranger in a parking lot or something and then like, hey, you want to have coffee? <laughs> yes. Oh, so how are you, you doing? How's your day? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we are live here with Coffee with Humans with my soon-to-be new friend, Christina. She's still actually a stranger. I only met her about eight minutes ago. So that's the essence of Coffee with Humans. Two people just bumping into each other randomly and saying, hey, let's grab coffee. Before we got on the broadcast, I was thinking if we could have this discussion anywhere, where would that be? And I came up with we, we could be sitting in Iceland in a hot spring. Lovely. So if you could have this discussion anywhere, where would it be for you? Love this question. I'm stumped right now. I'm not really a uh, beach person in terms of getting in with the aquatic life, but I do like to be near it and feel the breeze from it. Okay. And so anywhere by a beach. What drew you to clicking the button to have coffee with me? I was searching and I found this one and it grabbed me. It pulled me in and it just seemed your podcast and Coffee with Humans seemed very welcoming that you were really eager and enjoyed just making meaningful connections. Coffee with Humans is like Sunday brunch. <laughs> I love Sunday brunch. <laughs> okay, good. Because, well, you're in the right place. Only there's no food. Um <laughs> We are live here with Coffee with Humans with my new friend, Aaron. Aaron, welcome to Coffee with Humans. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, this is an exciting time. The world is opening back up, and we're here to talk about joy and anxiety and overcoming that. And I feel like I feel like this is just good timing because I, it, spring is on the way. The world is changing. It's, you know, we're, we're getting reconnected. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I have to say that it's always a good time to be in joy, first of all. Secondly, there's always going to be something, right? Like the one guarantee in this life is that things are changing all the time. And us humans, for some reason, think it's not. And so we're constantly butting up against and resisting what is. And I'm here to say that what is, is absolutely magnificent and when we can embrace what is versus wanting things to be a certain way or people to act a certain way in order for us to feel good, um, we just feel good in general. We don't have to, like, it won't matter that there is a pandemic or not a pandemic or, you know, or any of the challenges that come into your life. I was thinking, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day and it's, and, and I love how you talk about the idea of just embracing what is. I feel like uh, a lot of life is like a river. Sometimes that river narrows and boy, things are just moving really fast. And sometimes there are rapids and you feel like you're bumping around and you can steer yourself to some degree, but boy, that river just keeps on going. And then you hit sometimes these big wide patches where you're just kind of like tooling around and it feels like you're not going any place. It feels like there's no purpose. And yet that river is just slowly moving you, uh, moving you from one space to the next, even though even though we do have, we, we, we do have a lot of control, but at the same time, sometimes it's just like, Hey, relax, you know, the go, go with what is like you talk about rather than trying to resist, you know, the, the movement of life. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, so, I mean, we were going to talk about anxiety today, and I'll tell you what my definition of anxiety is, because it fits right in with this river thing. (laughs) It's Mm. like wanting to control all the things, and not consciously, but unconsciously recognizing that you cannot control all the things, all the people, all the circumstances, and the events. And so when you can just meander down the river, how the river goes versus, you know, trying to put your oar in and, you know, stopping from going too fast. And when you just allow your life to unfold, then you don't have to be in challenges all the time. And actually the challenges will represent areas for growth versus, again, the butting up against the feeling and resistance too. And, um, I think the river is a great analogy because you can come across all kinds, right? You can hit the bottom with a rock. You can, you know, capsize, you know, all the things. But the one thing that you can control is your experience of all these things. And I think most people don't think that they can. They think that they're beholden to their emotions and their thoughts. And actually, those are the one thing that you can control. Everything else is up for grabs. Yeah. So I'm curious, you, you, you signed up for coffee with humans and you put this topic out there. Why is this so important to you? Why do you care to talk about it? Um, well, you know, my story sort of started with an anxiety disorder I had, um, that I created and that flies in the face of what a lot of people will say, you know, it's genetic or it's situation based. Um, And I'll tell you that after studying the brain for 10 years, I recognized why it is that I created that anxiety disorder because, as I was mentioning earlier, I thought I was my thoughts. I thought I was my emotions. And that's how I went about my life in reaction to everybody and everything. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And so recognizing that Um, at some, I mean, it took a while, right? It wasn't just all of a sudden I went, oh, I'm not my thoughts and my emotions. I started, I, you know, it took a lot of reading and experiencing, and I had a couple of like super rough areas. Uh, one, um, after I had gotten over the anxiety disorder, which had gotten my narrow, my life had gotten so narrow. It was like, uh, literally I was only able to go out of the house for, you know, to go grocery shopping or to go see my counselor for nearly a year, like nine months. And after I was referred to a homeopathic psychiatrist, she gave me a remedy and that remedy balanced out my chemicals, but it didn't balance out this thing up here. And so this was still hard at work doing all the things that created it to begin with. And so I thought, well, I'll just move to Hawaii and live, you know, a very simple life. But the the issue with that is that I'm still there, it's still me in this right. really nice in paradise, but still doing and thinking all the same things and taking all the same action, having the same emotions that, you know, I started to think there must be something else. Then I had this crazy thing happened. Um, I started a business when I got to Hawaii that took off like gangbusters and Um, I was super frantic and stressed and anxiety ridden and um, a client called one morning and she was complaining and um, I just would get frantic about complaints. It was just so like um, my integrity was so so important to me and I raced over to a friend's house, backed into the driveway 
sideswiped my car and her husband's truck and her husband was under the car working on it and he thought he was gonna he thought the truck was gonna land on him and i just it just leveled me i thought you know like this is not what life is supposed to be like there must be a better way and so i started to you know do some self-development go to some seminars started reading some books and I recognized there was another life to be had that was much more peaceful and calm and conscious, aware. Um, but it took me another like seven or so years to uh, figure out strategies to creating that life. Um, you know, I'd done all this self-development, but I, and I recognized there was another life, but I, I was in the middle of, of a divorce and it just it just uh, threw me off a hundred percent. Like I just, I was like in one of the lowest places in my life. And I thought here I had spent tens of thousands of dollars on these seminars. I didn't actually have any strategies. And so then I went to um, reading this book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called uh, A Course in Miracles. No, I've not heard of that. Sounds pretty exciting, right? (laughs) Um, Sounds interesting. yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're in a really bad place and you get a title like that, you're like, I could use a miracle right now. (laughs) Um, And so it has like 365 passages and it's meant to be a passage a day for a year. And at first I was kind of not into it. I mean, I was reading it and it was kind of interesting. But then the strange thing started to happen where every time I opened up the passage, these words kept like popping off the page. Like they were in bold. And it was the path is joy. Joy is the answer. Like just joy, joy. And I was like, I hear you, but how do I get there? Like, I don't know how to get to joy. (laughs) I got that's the answer, but I don't know how to get there. And so a series of events happened after that. I went to a seminar um, that taught a visualization process that I started to use. And my life just totally lined up. Like I, um, my business that had been for sale for nine months, uh, sold with a bidding war. I met the love of my life in very unusual circumstances. And I found my purpose, which is to teach people how to find and cultivate their joy daily so that they can enjoy their life now, not when they get to the car, the house, the career, or any of those things. So that was kind of my journey. That, that is a, a fascinating journey. How long do you think, uh, and, I, and I know it might be difficult to find uh, like the beginning, let's say, but when you, when you consciously came to this conclusion, like something is, something is wrong, I need to really dig in. Like this is not normal life. Like uh, this is not going to be my normal life, right? How long did it take you to come through that, uh, that experience? Was it years? Was it months? Well, the anxiety disorder happened in 99. I moved to Hawaii in 2000. That incident with the sideswiping of the car and nearly killing my friend's husband was um, 10 years after that. So that was like 2010. And then um, I started teaching this three years ago. So, yeah, it's been an evolution, a lot of things. And, And it... It doesn't have to take that long. And I also tell clients all the time, you don't have to actually be in crisis in order to like enjoy your life. 
<laughs> Unfortunately, that's the thing that makes us go, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to experience these feelings anymore. This sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it seems the tighter we hold to uh, hold to things, like you talk about, you know, hold, wanting wanting things to to be a different way than they are. Uh, it, it it takes it takes some sort of traumatic shaking, you know, to kind of rip those things from us to to open us up. I think to to the um, to the realization first that this is so not so not what life is supposed to be. And then to uh, kind of embolden us, kind of like, you know, I got no, I got no other choice here. Mm. And that I think is the energy that we have to take into those moments to really make significant life change. Everything outside of that is just kind of like, well, I'm not really that committed to being <laughs> really not that, you know, sure, it's joy. I'll work on that. Kind of like we're going to stop eating, you know, ice cream every night. You know, it's like eh, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's challenging because um, I was talking to a client yesterday and I said, how many people do you know that their experience almost exclusively is joy? And she's like, nobody except you. And I was like, right. But I truly believe that that is our birthright to be in that space. Like the only time that we're supposed to be in challenge is when we are growing. So you know, I can't take this anymore. Growth. I'm having emotional reactions to people and things, areas for growth. That's the only reason those things exist because I truly believe the only reason we're here is to grow spiritually. And you can call it other things, self-develop or whatever, but it is that. It's that same thing. And if spiritually is too woo-woo or whatever, then do, you know, consciousness, or maybe that's woo-woo, maybe it's, you know, but it is growth. Like, that is why we're here. It's not to amass things. It's not to be super rich. It's not to be famous. It's not any of those things. None of those things bring you joy. They bring you happiness, which is, you know, uh, fleeting and based on something external. Like, I got a new car. I'm super psyched for the moment, but eventually it's just a car. But right. joy, that is a whole nother experience. Why do you, why do you, uh, oh, why do you, or is it your experience that when you say, you know, it's a spiritual, you know, we, we spiritual growth, wait, is it your experience that people think that's frou-frou? You know, I try not to even imagine what's going on for other people, to be honest, because that could take up your entire day. Like I just try to focus on me and how I can be the most authentic form of myself every day. Mm. And the, and the outcome is happens to be joy, happens to be alignment, happens to be peace, peace of mind, calm, stillness, which is a very different experience than I spent the first half of my life being like a hundred percent the other way. And half the stuff I say nowadays, like I would have been the one rolling, <laughs> rolling my eyes and going, yeah, right. Whatever, you know, <laughs> but you know, all I can do is, you know, I hate to quote, but you know, be that change, be that person, show people that it's possible 
to enjoy every aspect of your life in this very moment, because this is the only thing we we have guaranteed, this moment right here. Most of people's low-level experiences, which is like, you know, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, worry, all those things that don't feel good are based on past experiences that they're either reliving or trying to project into the future. But if you were to, in this moment right now, what is the problem? Nothing. Roof over the head, something to drink, something to eat if I want, right? All these wonderful things in our life. It's just somehow we got to focusing on the wrong parts, right? We're just focus on the things that aren't working out when there is a whole host of things going 100% our way. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> It reminds me of a comedian. I can't remember who it was. Uh, he's, he was talking about how um, the the root of his the root of his jokes were everything's amazing and nobody's happy. And he was talking about how, <laughs> in an, like in an airplane, you know, we're like waiting at the airport, like, oh my god, I can't believe this is taking me two hours. I have to sit here for two hours, you know, so, so that you could get in a metal tube with hundred fifty other people, go four thousand <laughs> miles that way you know, in a matter of hours, land safely on the ground and enjoy a vacation. It's like, it's amazing. And you're not happy. You've got like, you're in a metal (laughs) tube in the middle of the sky. (laughs) Like, it's amazing. And it's, and it's true, though, because we, we, we do get our, I think our vision uh, clouded. And, and we miss, I think we, we do miss the moment. I wrote a thing a long time ago, just this little line in a, in a notebook at one point in time. I was like, tomorrow never comes. It, it never does because as soon as it's tomorrow, it's today. And so just from this like big existential thoughts, like it is really just now. That's that's all we get. And and we it's not that we uh, don't think about the future, don't plan or something like that, right? We, we, have, we have wisdom that guides us, but from a pure... Um, from a pure enjoyment of life standpoint, why, why are we writing the story that doesn't exist? It's the stories now, the story's here, the story's this. And um, I, I think, I, I, I don't know, people struggle with anxiety, right? I mean, you said you created an anxiety disorder. I, I've, got a, I've got a friend um, talking to you recently, and I said, you know, part of your issue is that you have all this anxiety over things that you have not even done. And the the opportunity is to complete the cycle of doing it and realizing that this is successful. This isn't going to, it's not as bad as what you think it's going to be. And what exactly are you afraid of? Anyhow, make a concrete list and you'll find that it's not, it's you're, you're afraid of all sorts of things that probably are never going to happen. And, and most of these things are like, like the outcome of a choice or something like that. Well then change your mind, make a different choice. Most choices are, you know, are, are, are able to be changed. Your life is not irrevocably, you know, modified, you know, you, know, you don't like that job. Okay. Get a different job. Like do something different. You didn't like that toothpaste, get a different toothpaste. You don't like people <laughs> go to a different place. I, I, we do get seem seemingly locked up in a lot of things. And you, you said it, it's the things that we take that take that we take with us stories from our past that are that in, somehow inform our present and cause us to make decisions we don't want to make we'd like to be different i mean, i think i think people want to believe they could live in joy 
that they don't have to experience anxiety to the degree that they experience it. I think they think it, but I also think sometimes they don't think it's possible not to have it. It's kind of like a friend, you know, like I used to smoke cigarettes, which is not exciting. But when I quit smoking, I felt like I lost my best friend, you know, and that's what that's what these experiences can be like. We're just so accustomed to living in that space that if it's gone, what might that be like? We're so afraid that if we get rid of the thing, the job, the relationship, the, you know, whatever we make the decision about, that it's going to be worse. But the reality is exactly what you said. It's like, make a different choice, make choices, take action. And then if it's not working out, make another choice. You know, we're not stuck forever. Like, I always tell, I like to work with young people and I just tell them all the time, like make choices based on the amount of information you have that makes sense. And then if it doesn't make sense anymore, then make another choice. You are not mired or stuck in any of those things. Keep choosing, choosing something else until there's a right fit. Because I mean, it's so cliche, but life is so short. And if we don't take it, you know, it's like, I literally, like I sit with clients and I tell them that they have to schedule out having a good time. (laughs) I'm like, that is ridiculous, you know? And I'm starting to think like, you have 24 hours. If you break it up into eight increments, right? Be eight hours sleeping, eight hours working. The rest of the eight hours is the rest of your life. You got to cram your entire life into that other eight hours. I think that is all wrong. I like the eight hours sleeping. I think that other 16 hours needs to be doled out very differently because I mean, you know, you set, you go to work or just say you have a job, or even if you work for yourself, you allot eight hours to it. You're not in flow state for eight hours. You're not like getting, you're not super um, efficient for eight hours. That's crazy. Right. I had my old business. I would only, What's that? It's just a magic number. They but like people just made that. It you know, why why? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure it was like, you know, mathematical or something. It was like, oh, if we, you know, what it had to do with like payroll or something, you know, like if we if we dole it out this way, then it'll make more sense and we can save money. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think that that's part of what's coming out of the pandemic is some of these businesses are realizing my staff is much more effective at home, probably working less hours because they're educating their child on the side, right? right while they're working um, and they're still getting things done. And so I think that, you know, in terms of business, the shift is going to be more project-based and less like you need to show up someplace and be there for eight hours, more like you need to get X, Y, and Z done by this date, um, which makes a heck of a lot more sense. And then people can do it when they have the time to do it or when they're in a flow state where they can actually be super efficient and effective at what they're doing. Mark Metry talked about anxiety uh, early on in when uh, in Coffee with Humans um, uh, episodes about anxiety being um, simply energy. It just needs to be directed. And many times we direct the anxiety to worry. However, what, what would happen if we, if we direct that anxiety to making a choice? 
And so the, the, I think the saying is the antidote to anxiety is action. There's an action that must be taken. And the longer we train ourselves to sit in anxiety, like you talked about before, the, the more, the more so anxiety just becomes our close friend, like conforms almost we conform to it it conforms to us and then we're and then like a person doesn't want to get out of bed you know so it's like i don't want to leave this anxiety because what would happen if i could stretch out what would happen if i did take action i don't know but i know what this is i know what this is like and and i think um do you find when you work with clients that people don't know what action to take or do you find that people do know what action to take and they're just unwilling to do it that's an interesting question. Um, I think they get sort of paralyzed by it, you know, where they just aren't able to take action. And um, hmm. people who have anxiety are chronic overthinkers. Okay. They just overthink literally everything a hundred percent of the time. Like their mind is going so fast with all the things all day long, every day. And, um, they just, it's exhausting. It's hard to like keep up with every, you know, and there's loops, right? There's loops of thought that, that go on for all of us. Um, and I think that I'll tell you one thing, you know, when I was in the thick of my anxiety disorder and I had seemingly was at the most amount of anxiety that I could possibly manage, what I realized on the other side was there was nothing there. It was void, like desert. Hmm. I thought, you know, there would be an aha something like, oh, I buried something that I'm going to discover is why I have anxiety. But there was nothing there. And what I realized was that the anxiety was a defense mechanism for me to not experience those feelings. Um, and it was so acute because I was doing basically trauma work with a counselor and we were going through my past over and over and over again. And that's how you get stuck in a um, state of being like that, because you, your subconscious mind's not able to recognize whether what you're talking about is happening at that moment or you're recalling it from the past. And so every time you talk about your story, you're reliving it. Your body is reliving it. The chemicals are being released same as when that moment happened. Mm. And that's how these things happen. Anxiety is an illusion. It's not real, but man, does it seem real. I mean, it feels real. Like my heart was racing. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I thought I was going to pass out. Like my visions would get narrow and black on the sides and oh my God, I'm going to you know, all the things. And then because of that, then you get into a heightened state and you're like, oh my God, I really am going to pass out. So there's more anxiety, more chemicals being released, right? And so you keep mimicking that over and over again. Your body goes, oh, okay, we're doing this thing again. Sweet. Let's do that. Let's release all those chemicals. Let's have that experience, right? But it is just that. It is an experience. It's not actually real. I mean, it feels real, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's in relation to, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze thing. It's like, it is that response, Yeah. but there's no tiger, <laughs> there's no bear, right. there's no, you know, and so it's obviously inappropriate, but once you get into that space, it can be challenging to 
you know, get your body on board to do something different. But I'll tell you, you sort of alluded to it before. Anxiety and excitement are the same physiological experience. One has a negative context. The other one is a positive thing. So if you can shift just a little bit, like I call this positive shaming. It's this whole thing where like, I think this is an American thing, but I've asked other people on podcasts that are from different countries and they say it happens there too, where it's like, um, you know, people will complain about something in their life and then they'll go, but I'm so blessed. I really shouldn't complain. Mm. And it's like, that's like positive shaming. It's like this idea that we can't say anything negative because it's all about being positive. The problem is, is that does not do any healing. That's just tamping down those experiences. And when you want to do real healing and get through that, you have to experience the feelings. Yeah. And so anxiety is that distraction mm. from experiencing the feelings. Same with worry, overwhelm, all of the low level, depression, all of that. Some of them are clinical and they're real and they're chemical and there's all kinds of things going on. Yeah. But it is based on, I don't want to deal with those feelings. So I'm going to push them down so that I don't have to feel with them and feel them. And that's where the healing is, is in the feeling. So this positive shaming does no good <laughs> for healing those issues. Um, and, you know, I'm all about positive. I love positive too, but when it's appropriate, you know, when it's, like warranted yeah to get to the positive i mean so there can there can be joy it's kind of like the people uh uh like joy and sadness are so closely linked you know a person starts you know crying or whatever and experiencing something and then and then the 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 joy kind of breaks through and you know they kind of start chuckling and that type of stuff all these all these emotions um are you know like a, it's like a stew sometimes you know it's just like a little of this a little of that and like twist it all up you know and and they are not distinct uh and like you talked about the anxiety and excitement being the same the same physiological response this the uh but the there's a book called the body keeps the score great book about um about trauma and how trauma becomes built into our bodies and our bodies now are primed they're ready to rock uh and it is those past experiences then that then that then come forward for us in those moments and we tend to um we tend to then act out of that right away rather than um rather than giving its consideration and saying you know that that response that served me perhaps you know, a decade ago or two decades ago or, or more, that response doesn't serve me anymore. And I have the ability to re, re, recraft that. I, we've got a Facebook user here. Uh, thanks for joining us. The power of neuroplasticity, plasticity, yes, adjusting the flow of the path. Absolutely. Our brains, be, our brains are, 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 are habitual. Everything we do to make it through the day is, is based on habits. Uh, and we, we seldom people people tend to not make significant life changes the older they get because habits just you know old habits die hard the the opportunity though is to really consider and go deep sometimes i think through through some experiences and and like you said you know you're uh, i thought it was so powerful this idea that anxiety was covering up it was a it was um, disguising or taking your mind away from dealing with some things that you actually needed to deal with 
um, I mean, just tremendously powerful stuff, I think, to be able to, um, you know, to be able to think that through. Yeah, I mean, I love that they brought up neuroplasticity because we really can rewire and refire our brain yeah. to do what we want it to do. But I don't think a lot of people understand that. I mean, I think it's starting to become something that people understand. Um, but I, I think still most people feel like they're sort of at the mercy of their thoughts and their emotions um, and even genetics, right? Which is really not true. I mean, you can, epigenetics is um, huge right now. Uh, they're talking about how you can turn on and turn off specific genes. And people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, who are doing this work heavily, are showing through the power of meditation that when you have an elevated state of emotion, you can refire and rewire your brain and get it to turn on or turn off genes. Because I, I truly believe that we are three parts. We are mind, body, and spirit, and they are equal parts. Yeah. And when you have you know, something like disease comes up, disease is from imbalance in that those three parts. It's not, I mean, we like to look at the body and go, oh, it's happening in the body. But my thinking is that it happened before that. It happened in the mind. It happened spiritually. And then it showed up in the body because we didn't pay attention to those because we can tamp down those feelings. We can pretend like that's not happening. We can drink too much or, you know, get totally involved in media or whatever our outlet is and, and disregard the spirit, disregard the mind, but we can't disregard the body when it's in pain. And so that's typically in my perspective, the last thing that happens, it's like, okay, you're not paying attention here. I'm going to throw you a disease. Now you're going to pay attention because that hurts. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of research done on the, um, the, the, uh, how do I phrase this? I don't know, the interlink, the interlinking of, of whatever's happening in your mind is expressed into your body and what is ever hap whatever's happening in your spirit is expressed in your body. And that's, um, you know, that's what that's basically what that book talks about in the, the body keeps the score, because um, the all these things which happened in our brains and then, you know, are, are chemically are expressed then in, you know, in our body. And then that becomes feedback to us, which is just it's just information. And then we get to do what do we get to do something with the information. And if we don't uh, if we don't rethink that information and what do we and what do we want to do with that and begin to reprogram ourselves begin to think in new ways begin to develop new habits then we we do find ourselves in this increasingly anxiety ridden state there's a lot of folks um I, this is a um my my older kids are young 20s and um i remember when they were going off to college there was a huge huge boom in people who didn't know how to have conversations. And there's a lot of anxiety disorders around, uh, around social anxiety. They did just didn't know how to talk to people because they had spent so long texting their friends. And I remember sitting at uh, swim meets or whatever. And there's, there's like 20 kids sitting around. Nobody's talking to each other. They're just sitting on their phones. Tick, 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 tick. It's like, <laughs> you don't even know how to have a conversation. Of course, of course you're going to feel anxious. 
going into like you talk about this growth opportunity of a college campus of 10,000 other, you know, 10,000 of your closest friends, <laughs> you're going to feel anxious. That's life. You got to go through that and develop the skills, grow in that moment to figure out you're safe. You're not, you're not unsafe. You're just anxious. And that's, and use that feedback, use those, you know, those, those butterflies, those tingling to then direct it into, okay, what do I need to learn in this moment? Well, I like what you said about, you know, it just is, right? I mean, we've sort of gone full circle now. Like it literally just is, you know, I have a client who got diagnosed with cancer um, not that long ago, and she was only given a few months to live and she's in her twenties. And I was like, this is, you know, and she refused to listen to the prognosis. Like she was, she refused to, she didn't want to know what the deal was. She has no idea. Um, and I just thought like, you know, if we could just live our life without having that external feedback and just going, I mean, how do I feel right now? Like what's really going on for me? Um, then we could just do it from there, which would make a heck of a lot more sense than taking in all this information and trying to disseminate it and decide where we go from here. Like, what do I do? How do I, you know, how do I go through this life? And when we can just take all the energy off of what we think everything's going to be and just allow it to be, it's such a better state of mind. You know, it's less, I think I know what's going to happen. It's more just like, I'm excited to see what happens. Mm -hmm. Are there certain steps that you uh, advise folks to go through uh, who, who, who might find themselves at that point where they're just like, Hey, I don't, I, I shouldn't be having to live with this anxiety. I want things to change. What, where do they begin? Um, it starts with awareness, right? And most of the time that happens in crisis, right? We talked about that before. Um, it's just recognizing that this doesn't feel good. So it starts with that and wanting something different. But then the awareness has to get deeper. It has to be, it has to be being able to recognize when you're having emotional reactions to things on a regular basis, you know, rather than just, you know, rolling along with whatever's happening in terms of like, I'm being reaction to this thing and that thing and this person and those words and all that stuff. It's starting to realize, oh, I am having an emotional response or reaction to somebody and just seeing why, like, where's that coming from? Where could that maybe be in the past? Not in terms of like, um, you know, I need to know it came from my dad and it was because he was an alcoholic or whatever the things were, whatever that story is, really more about so that you can start to recognize and sit in those emotions and feel them because it's really like a tick mark. It's like when you make an intention that you want to have a different life, mm -hmm. then every time you choose that new life over the old one, the tick marks start to add up in the direction that you want to go. Mm -hmm. And eventually that becomes your new normal. But it takes time. It's just like going to the gym. You can't just lift one weight and be buff. Like you've got to practice these things. For me, change looks like awareness. So you have the crisis, more awareness. So you start to recognize, oh, I'm having emotional reactions a lot. Like why did I all of a sudden raise my voice? Why am I flipping that guy off in the car? Why am I, um, you know, angry at the customer service rep? Like, you know, why am I raising my voice to my kids? You know, um, those are all like 
like, are they being annoying? Yes, sometimes they are being annoying, but it's still you. Like the relationship to work on is you. It's not them. Nobody else is doing anything. You are in reaction to them. That's all you. It's all return to sender is what I say. (laughs) When you think, when you're about to point the finger, that person made me feel this way. No, you feel that way because that person did that thing has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you and what's going on with you. Yeah. So getting the awareness on a regular basis is super important. And then you can start to use strategies to get through like, what could I do differently? How could I rewire, refire my brain in a way that makes sense for this future outcome that I'd like to have? And then lastly, it's that practice, like practicing, practicing, practicing. And even when it feels like there is no headway being made, there is, it's the tick marks. They're little at first, then they get bigger. And then all of a sudden there's none on the other side. It's all on the side of where you want to go. Yeah. I like what you talk about with awareness. Um, I, I feel like the, the word that comes to my mind or the wording that comes to my mind is fearless inventory. I think any significant life change begins with a, like this, this idea of I, I, I have a fearless, I take a fearless inventory of what's going on. And, and it's not just that superficial awareness. It's not just like, well, I'm angry today. Yeah. But okay. Well, why, where, where is that? Or like, um, you know, here's a common one. I think that people deal with recently and in, in maybe more so than in other times, you know, they're getting new jobs. I got a, I got a good interview and all this anxiety around interviews. It's like, why are you so anxious around, around interview? And, and it's like, well, I just, I just don't know how to interview. And that seems to be the level that people stay at instead of going e- even deeper. What is, what, what are you feeling? How, why are you feeling that? And it, it usually it has something to do um, something very deep, very deep seated fears very deep seated ideas, identity issues, like who am I? Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Do people like me? You know, and I'm going to find out I'm not good. They're going to tell me I'm terrible. You know, as this is, this is the moment all, it all comes crashing down. And therefore I don't, I just, I'm anxious, you know, sweaty palms and that type of stuff, as opposed to, um, I think honoring those, if, if we knew that's what's happening, we can honor that in that moment. And it, and it diffuses the energy, the, the energy that that anxious buildup of, uh, you know, like, I'm going to find out I'm really awful. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, I just I, I really want to I want to be capable. I want to be seen as capable because I'm, you know, I'm scared. Like, I was like, oh, it's like a kid, you know, the kids, you know, kids come to you. Do you have kids? I don't know. I have one. Yeah. Okay. You. You're like l- little kids when they come to you, you know, and they're like, uh, 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 and they don't know what to say. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, come here. And it's just like, Oh, back to that safe space. Right. We need to be able to, we need to be, we need to be able to parent ourselves sometimes through those moments and go, Hey, you're scared. Oh my gosh. That you you are. I get it. This is a scary time. This is a scary moment. And it's like, okay. All right. I don't have to be scared. It's not that bad. You know? And, and, and I think I think if we can get to those points more, uh, we can exercise getting to those points. I guess is what I want was want to say. So we can exercise that that pathway, that ha- make it a habit even of going deep for just that moment and going, okay, this is the inventory rip of this moment. And then all of a sudden, all right, 
you know, we, we can make it through. We can make it through this. A hundred percent. And I've counseled a lot of people through this pandemic. A lot of people decided to change industries, change job titles, change companies. And, you know, same, all those, you know, uh, interviewing. And I just tell them, like, it is less about you showing up how you think you want for them, you know, to show up how they, you know, you think they want you to show up. And it is more about being in rather than, and that's lack, right? Like, how can I fit into this uh, square? Hmm. It's more about what am I in? Like, if I'm 100% in alignment with me and I show up to an interview, they're either going to like me or not like me. Like, you don't like everybody. So why do you expect everybody to like you? And why are you trying to change who you are? to be the right person for that job. You either are or you're not the right person for that job. The problem is, is that a lot of people think in lack. And so they're like, oh my God, this is my only job interview I've ever had forever. And, you know, it's like a lot of pressure. It's like, no, you show up you 100% because that's what they're going to get down the line. So you might as well just come 100% you. And it's either a good fit or it's not. I mean, companies have have a real culture. And if you don't fit into it, then you don't fit into it. Stop trying to fit into things and just be where you're supposed to be, which is with you, working on you, and you'll attract to you whatever that thing is that you think you need for to create yeah. money or whatever. Absolutely, it's that law of law of attraction that you you do attract what you what you put out there, and 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 it's so true. I mean, you're in your in your uh, experience. When you got to this point of, I'm I'm going to live out of joy. Uh, you you saw those doors open up for yourself. You saw movement in areas that were key for you, and I think um, I think that's a lot of experiences that I've heard from folks that when uh, when we are moving in our our state of flow, let's say um, that that the space around us, it's like the universe makes space for us because because you talked about you, you said you think it's our birthright which is a big word that's a big that's a that's a big deep word a lot of <laughs> lot of stuff went into that word to say you think it's your birthright to to live in joy um and i tell i tell folks and i'd love to hear 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 what your what's behind this birthright thing um <laughs> i tell folks we have three we have three important uh uh responsibilities uh, that nothing else on the planet gets. We have the ability to name our present reality and name a different future. Nothing else gets that, just people. Everything else just exists in its space. And if its space changes, it's dead. People, <laughs> people can name our reality and name a future. We can then go about creating that future and we can destroy things. We can destroy things out of ignorance or selfishness or stupidity, or we can destroy things that just no longer serve us. We're just going to take that piece of paper that we used to keep reading and we crumple it, throw it in the trash, destroyed. I, I think that's, that's the framework I work from, or I try to work from, right? We get to name, we get to create, we get to destroy. And in amplified then when we, when we come together. Right. I mean, you're you're in Hawaii, right? Well, I'm actually in Portland now. 
You're in Portland now. All right. I'm in, I'm in Illinois, right? So we're sitting here talking over the, we're talking over the, you know, a video chat and, and this ability to create and to destroy and to name a different future is amplified in this moment. I, where's this, where's this birthright thing come, come to play? I think it's big. Well, I think that it's interesting. I, I really like what you just said. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, I think we're like, you know, not on our deathbed thinking, I wish I had amassed more things. I wish I had, you know, worked more. I wish I had, um, you know, just more stuff or money or, right? Like all these things that we think are important really are not important at all because they don't bring anything except this sense of security and it's an illusion security is not a thing like in any way shape or form not right. in an alarm system not in um having enough money not i mean there's never enough money there's never enough things there's not a big enough house there's not enough i mean I worked for multi-billionaires and multi-millionaires. They're some of the most miserable people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever they want all day long, every day, and they choose not to. They choose to do things that is that are scheduled or micromanage, you know, housing staff or, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? You know, of course, from the outside, you look at that and think, oh, like, I wouldn't do that, but maybe you would, because if you haven't done the internal work to understand that you can be joyful all the time, regardless of the situation. I mean, there was no better example of money not meaning anything, right? And so, yes, you can, you know, I mean, that's part of the, the positive is, yes, you can decide what's going on, decide to create a different future. Um, that's part of the issue is we're we have too many choices now. And so it just gets so convoluted and hard. But the one choice that makes the most sense to me is to enjoy where you are right now. I don't even yeah. make goals anymore. Like I don't, like I used to be, I was hyper goal oriented and I would crush goals like all the time. And then I would get across the finish line and go, what's the next thing, right? Like literally like I was used to do triathlons. I was like, Oh, what's the next race I can do? Or how can I shave off time? Or, you know, in my business, I would go, Oh my God, I want to, you know, get rid of all this debt. And then I want to, you know, have this many more employees and have this much more income coming in. And I did all those things. And guess what? I was freaking miserable all the time. hundred percent. Now I'm yeah. super psyched. I have success anyway. But it looks very different. I appreciate it very differently. And it doesn't matter anymore because I am enjoying myself daily, yeah. all day long. And that's what matters. All the rest of it is, you know, icing on the cake or bonus or, or not, you know. But like yeah. literally, again, we don't, we have this moment guaranteed, nothing beyond this moment. So, I'm going to have a good time while I'm doing this moment, you know? <laughs> Some people will push back on that and, and they'll say, yeah, should, you know, you're too simplistic about life and not, uh, you're, you're uh, throwing caution to the wind, uh, or, <laughs> you know, you're a hippie or what, like people push back on this <laughs> thing and yet they still want it. 
that's the thing that everybody I, I I've never met a person who'd be like I don't I'd really like to be miserable and I'd joyless <laughs> nobody wants that people become miserable and joyless but they didn't want it even you know I mean, when uh, so, you ask people what they want in their life, they, the number one thing they say is, I want to be happy. Yeah. But it's kind of BS because it's not how they yeah. live their life. They're not living well, their life as though that's really what they're after. Totally. To your point about the, all the stuff that we amass, it's not that it's meaningless. Um, it's that uh, I feel like it's a, all the stuff that we can amass are tools to carry out our purpose. And we we amass things that are don't serve our purpose because we don't even know what our purpose is, and then and 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 sometimes we amass things that do serve our purpose and serve a great purpose. I I, I think of uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and they can take flack for all sorts of things, but one of the things that they've done very well is they've figured out how to uh, work with their you know multi billionaire friends and 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 contribute to major world. Uh, major world things that only that kind of cash can solve. Like, hey, we're going to wipe out malaria from a country. You know, <laughs> don't do that in tiny little, you know, in little increments. <laughs> you know, it's not like, hey, everybody give 10 bucks to feed a kid. It's no, <laughs> we give, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, to just give, you know, nets to everybody and give doses of, you know, anti-malarial drugs and all this other stuff. Uh, or, or to bring clean water to, you know, billions of people in India. It's like, you can only do that at certain scale. And, and so, you know, God bless him. God bless him that you, you know, Microsoft right time, right, right place, right purpose, and then shifted gears and is now solving big world issues that you can only do at that sort of scale. Awesome. I think they've found their purpose. They, they believe it. And it's, and the results seem to be showing many folks look at that and either with criticism and say, yeah, yeah, you know, terrible folks, but look at all the bad they've done or something like that. Um, but I feel like, I feel like we on a smaller scale have that same sort of capacity to, uh, to create change in our sphere of influence. It's a smaller sphere. It's not a, you know, we're, we're not bringing clean water to billions of people. We're, 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 we're dealing with our friends and our family and our business associates and our block, but we don't see it as that responsibility, I think too often. And, and I think we forego, I think we forego a, a good, a, a clear understanding of our purpose and, and the joy that comes from living out of that purpose. And instead we just, like you talk about, you know, we're, we start bringing things in because, well, we want to be those people. Well, you're not those people be you in your space and use all the stuff you have around you to serve that purpose for these people and yourself in the moment. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. And I think it's pretty challenging. Like one of the biggest issues I think is that um, we don't get a lot of feedback on, you know, us as, as, as a human, like, you know, I would say the same, you know, the Gandhi thing, be the change you want to see in the world, right? Like be that change. And it ripples out, but we don't get the feedback that that's what's happening. Like, when do we tell the people in our lives, like, you inspire me or you, you know, that thing you did really inspired me. We don't say that very often. We wait until they die and then they have a eulogy and you say all the nice things. It's like, forget that. Say the stuff now. We need to know that like what I've said matters to you. 
what I'm doing, my actions matter. They're making a difference for somebody. You know, I, you know, being in this field, um, I have to constantly immerse myself in information that is, speaks to my soul on a regular, like every day, often, because I am butting up against, like you said, people that are coming at me saying, no, that's not the truth. But I know this is the truth. This I know is true. I know this on a deep level. And it's not just me. I'm not special. I just right. happen to know it right now. Yeah. You know, and I refuse to let it go by without other people knowing it because this is the truth. You are meant to be enjoying your life at all times. And when you're not, it's because you are in resistance to it. Are there challenges that come up? Yes, but they're not really challenges. They're gifts. They're showing you here's an area where you can grow. This is why you're here. Your evolution exists in this challenge. And look at it like that and not at like this life is hard and all the things are hard. And no, it's this is a gift. I'm in reaction to that person or circumstance. That's my gift. Where can I go inside and figure out where the healing is and heal from it and move on and continue to enjoy myself? That's it. It is that simple. It really is. It's just that we've been given the wrong message for so long that happiness is things and circumstances and these, it's not. What do you say? There's no happiness there. What do you say to people or who, uh, who are suffering? What's the message? It's, it's not what they're going to want to hear, but it, it, it is your choice. Like you're choosing that. You are choosing that. I 100%. There's two things, the two tenets by which I teach. One is your dominant thoughts create the reality that you are experiencing. And hmm. if number one is true, number two is true as well. You are responsible for what you're creating, but not in a blaming, shameful way, but in an empowering way. I'm saying, if you are responsible for the experience you're having, you can uncreate these things that you've created. That's empowering. That puts you in the driver's seat 100%. And if you can recognize that you're in the driver's seat and begin to create the life that you would like to have, then you're in joy, right? And that's not a life of, I mean, I'm not against money. I'm not against things. I like things too. Like, you know, I like cars. I like houses. I like to have money. I love to go on trips. I love all that stuff. But that stuff does not change my internal experience of joy. Hmm. The reason that people like to travel is because you are in the present moment when you're traveling. You are on the beach in Hawaii. You are in, you know, you're on the streets of Milan, right? You are there a hundred percent because you have been taken out of your environment, your ha habitual environment that we were talking about earlier. Yep. You've been taken out, put somewhere else, and you can't help but be present moment. You have to be because sometimes there's a language barrier. You need to get your needs met. You don't know where the grocery store is. You don't know where you're going to get food, right? You are in a state of being present. And that's why travel is so exciting. But you can travel all day, every day in your regular life. You can seek out 
a new cafe to go to. You can seek out a new friendship to create. You can do all of those things. You can seek out a, you know, botanical garden to go to in your own town that you've never been to. Like those opportunities exist. And I highly encourage people to do that on a regular basis because doing the same thing over and over again is nothing but creating the same outcome over and over again. And if that outcome that you're experiencing is not fun or enjoyable, then you should consider adding some new different things into your life so that you can create a different experience. Yeah. Shake up that habit. There's a book called Triggers, uh, which is about adult behavioral change. And one of the things it talks about is that people want to make change and they're very earnest about making change. Uh, you know, every year people set goals and, you know, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to the gym and all this other stuff. Uh, but they're unwilling to change the circumstances, uh, the spaces around them. And the, and so, uh, you know, it talks about how a person, you know, wants to eat, wants to eat better, um, but doesn't change the food in the refrigerator, you know, doesn't change their shopping habits, doesn't change their, you know, the, 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 how they got to work, you know, they, they, uh, they, they travel around the same path, they eat, you know, uh, walk past the same little donut cart, you know, whatever it is, we, we want to affect a change in us, but our lives have become molded to us and they keep us it's designed to keep us in a in a positive steady way just kind of where we're at and that can be healthy it can be good but when that when that's those circumstances and that molding isn't working it's hard to get out of it because we're unwilling most of us are unwilling to actually get out of that and that's you know to your point you get you transplant a person to a new location and all of a sudden like learning and growth just automatically happen. They talk about this for children when, when you're potty training kids, great time to start potty training them uh, and is on vacation because you've, they, you know, no longer can they walk to the corner, you know, and <laughs> poop in their pants over in the corner. <laughs> I'm not doing it. You know, the, the circumstances are all new and all different and they're ready to learn. The mind is just prepared for growth. And it seems, it seems that we can exercise some of the same things uh, for us. When we're ready to make these changes, what are we going to shift around us? How are we going to, you know, kind of redecorate, you know, redecorate our life? Uh, and it doesn't, I don't think it has to be big things, but we can't, we can't change, I think, easily, maybe not at all, uh, without changing things around us especially when we're trying to go from uh, like you talk about this high, you know, high anxiety uh, to, to living in a joyful state or, or uh, you know, uh, living, I don't know, if it's not joyful, but uh, certainly in a, in a state that's not fulfilling and to move to a state where, ah, I feel fulfilled right here and now. I have so many things to say about what you just said. <laughs> Um, first of all, the subconscious mind that we talked about before will have you staying in stuck, right? Because subconscious mind is really only about survival. It's that old, you know, brain, the caveman stuff. It's like, you know, don't rock the boat because we're surviving right now. Everything is good. Don't want to add anything in, but you cannot have a different outcome without new information. Right. Yeah. And so to whoever's listening, if you are seeking a different experience, 
you must seek outside yourself. You've done an incredible job so far, but this is as far as it goes on your own. You've got to seek out some other strategy, some other information, a new aha to go, oh. And then you've got to recognize the subconscious mind is not behind you on this one, 100% (laughs) in resistance to every little thing you want to change, whether it's diet, exercise, new job, uh, different outcomes, want to be happy, right? The other thing I want to say is that if you are in acute anxiety or any kind of low-level experience, it doesn't go from acute to like joy, right? It, you got to ladder up. You can't just, it's not a, you know, it's not a direct line. I mean, you could, but it's highly unlikely, right? Because when you are in acute anxiety, you think it's real, even though it's not. And it feels real, 100%. I know it feels so real. Um, but you've got to ladder up emotionally. So if you're in a, you know, super acute anxiety, then you go to the next thing up, maybe not as acute anxiety, or maybe neutral, right? And then you go to, uh, you know, less, uh, like happy, but not joyful, you know, and then you go to that next thing. And then you go to that next thing. Because getting from the one to the other is just too far of a stretch. And so you just insert like things that, you know, maybe even just temporarily make you feel better for a moment. And then you just add on to those things. That's part of the retraining the brain piece is like going, oh, okay, well, um, if I focus on this one thing that makes me happier, this picture of my child, like, you know, your favorite picture of your kid when they're like two and they're just like so amazing and you just think they're the coolest thing ever um, between temper tantrums, then, you know, you look at that picture and you fill your heart with a little bit of joy, right? Mm -hmm. So that levels up a little bit and then something else happens and it feels like it's going sideways and you look back at that picture and you level up a little bit. Like it's those kinds of practices that get your brain to start going, wait a minute, something new's happening here. Um, I'm not quite sure. And, you know, a lot of the techniques that I teach people are really just about disrupting the norm, disrupting the habit. Yeah. Well, we are, we're over our typical time, but I such a powerful conversation to have because it is so anxiety is so prevalent and you know back to circling back around the things we're talking about you know every most of our lives are amazing and and it's a shame that we're not happy uh and it's a shame that even even uh even though we have the power and i think like you talk about the birthright the responsibility the authority to be joyful uh it's a shame that people deny that uh for themselves and for other people and um, because like you talk about, you know, this moment is what we have. And, and if you're not enjoying this moment and, and, uh, what, what, what are you waiting for? But there's nothing else you're going to get, <laughs> you know, and you certainly won't, you certainly won't create anything better for yourself if you're not willing to, uh, to, uh, create and attract, I think the, um, those better things. I, it's, I've never seen it happen. And I've been through, I've seen a lot of things. I've talked to a lot of people. So I think you're onto something. How do people get in contact with you if they want to take this conversation further? Um, I think the best way is through Instagram. Um, 
My handle is Erin, E-R-I-N-M-A-C-L-L-C. Um, I post a ton of content videos with different strategies and different things to think about. Um, you can DM me through there or my website URL is on there as well. Um, and there's more information. Thank you. And um, yeah, I mean, I think this is, we, I love that you have this platform. Having these conversations are so important. We just, like, I didn't get this information when I was a kid. I didn't understand all these things when I was a kid. And I hope that we can begin to have these conversations so that we can really do what we're meant to be, which is enjoying our life today now. Yeah. Still going after all the things if, mm. if that is what you want, but, but really enjoying the people that are in our lives. I mean, cause that's, you know, again, deathbed stuff. Like I'm not on my deathbed thinking, I wish I could amass more things, money, success. I want to have deep, meaningful relationships with the people that I love mm. and people in general. Like that's the stuff. That's the good. Awesome. Thing. Well, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I honor the journey that you, uh, that you have been on to get yourself to this point. Um, so important. And, and, um, I hate, I hesitate to use the word inspirational because I don't want to put, I, I don't, I never, I never tell you anybody like, Hey, you're my inspiration. Cause I never want to put responsibility of you being mm -hmm. inspiration to other people on anybody. Um, but your journey is, is so powerful. I think because you're willing to talk about it and other people find themselves in the exact same position that you found yourself in. And they just need to know there's a, there is a way. And, and, the only person who can tell them there's a way and tell them where to go is the person who's been there. So, Hey, that's, it, it took you a while, but fantastic. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on coffee with humans. Uh, uh, if, if, if people, I'll put your link up there again, if people want to contact with you, Instagram at Aaron Mac LLC, um, huge. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love it. Well, this is Coffee with Humans, folks. Uh, to our viewers and listeners, thanks for joining us again. Uh, candid conversation between strangers who become friends, making the world a better place. Catch us next time. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have, meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.